Welcome to episode 155 of Sweat Out, Happiness In. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we believe that fitness should be for anybody, everybody, and everybody. Let's get into the show. Woo. What's up, Achievers? Welcome to episode 155. So usually, I think the last, what, the last nine years, we've been going to um, New York, York, New York for Christmas, and it's been a really fun tradition of ours, um, and um, it's just... I guess we're sad because we're not going to be able to do it this year. Yeah, we started going. I mean, yeah, so I think it's nine years ago. We started going just the two of us and we because neither of our families did like much for Christmas. Yeah. I mean, my family did celebrate Christmas, but like they were more focused on Thanksgiving as like the big family holiday. And we did Hanukkah and Christmas combo. So we started Mm -hmm. doing Hanukkah with my family and then going to New York to do just New York City on Christmas Day together. Just the two of us. Um, And it's been a lot of fun. Christmas Day in New York is sneaky underrated it's so nice in the morning about from like let's say 7 30 till 11 30 it's like dead quiet it's like it's like a really cool kind of feeling that you have the whole city to yourself like an empty basically. city yeah and everywhere um there's plenty of parking because it's a holiday and um bryant park opens up at what like nine nine thirty like or ten somewhere yeah. around there yeah and we get basically about an hour and a half of these shops where we're basically there with like maybe three other families. <laughs> yeah, it's always really quiet in the morning. And we love Bryant Park instead of going to Rockefeller Center, which they're oh, both, yeah. they both have um, ice skating rinks. But yep. Rockefeller Center gets busier faster, I would say. But Bryant Park has all these little shops and it does have ice skating, which is like once a year we go ice skating and we're like always just making each other fall over. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren's actually fairly good. I don't know if it's your gymnastics background, but I'm... I'm a hazard out there, like, just swinging my arms, like, I'll take people down with me as I fall down, uh, which actually ties in well with the the later on in this episode, which we'll get to. But, but, yeah, but basically, unfortunately, we're not going to be doing that this year um, due to obvious pandemic reasons. But, um, you know, instead of feeling um, bad about it, we're like, you know, how can we make the most of this and how can we still have this time be special for Kendrick, right? Yeah, yeah. And so we came to the conclusion of um, of actually making a Korean dinner, yeah. right? Which uh, Lauren and I have never made a Korean meal of any sort. May- I mean, maybe fried rice, I guess that kind of counts a little bit, but have never made a Korean meal. And we're going all out. Like, we're, <laughs> we're making these braised short ribs. We've got these Korean noodles called japchae that we're going to be making, um, tukbuki. Tukbuki, which is like rice, spicy rice cake. Like we're pulling out all the stops. We we spent about two hundred dollars yesterday <laughs> at this local Korean market. We we must have spent like an hour and a half there just looking for these things. And I was pestering the person with questions. I was like, "Where do I find this? Where do I find this?" Um, but we're excited. We're so excited. We've been so we've been watching YouTube videos to yep. try to prepare. There's this um, great woman on YouTube. Her name is. Mangchi, M-A-A-N-G-C-H-I, and she is just this adorable Korean lady and who has like 5 million YouTube subscribers (laughs) and is just basically, she does follow along sort of uh, cooking tutorials and it's awesome. So we'll be definitely following along on that front. Yeah, but one time, the only other time that we did, you and I, Jason, did like a, a cooking adventure was Jason bought me in college Jason bought me a sushi making kit because yeah. Jason introduced me to sushi um, this is back when we were just friends and we were like so you bought me that 
sushi making Kate. You're like, we should just do a sushi night. And we're like, yeah. So I don't know. We thought we were following the instructions to a T. To a T, yeah. But I think we must have read like teaspoon instead of tablespoon instead of teaspoon <laughs> or something. But we put so much vinegar in the rice. And it was like we were so excited when you were looking at it. It looked perfect. It looked so it great, looked yeah. Amazing. We like cheersed our first piece of sushi. We both took a bite and we basically spit it out. It was so bad. Oh it was inedible. Like it was inedible. Even yeah. you didn't eat it. We didn't even eat it. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we 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 had spent a lot on the uh, the sushi grade yeah. tuna, and we bought the whole kit and all the little con- like the condiments are, are probably the most expensive because you you like get the the oils and the sesame seeds and all the extraneous stuff, and we just. Just threw it out, and I think oh. we probably got pizza or something after. <laughs> so that was a complete fail, but so still a so, memorable moment. <laughs> it was very memorable, and I'm hoping that this turns out to be a much different memory yeah. of a much more successful uh, first attempt at cooking something new. But I like um, Brene Brown always calls first attempts at something FFTs, which is first effing time, um, <laughs> and making sure that you recognize awesome. that you're in an FFT and that if things aren't going great, it's okay. It's just an FFT, and you can, you know, like don't worry so much about it. So I'm going to try to have that mindset this is actually leading perfectly into today's yeah, podcast episode um we can use Brene's uh, brilliant little acronym there for for a lot of what we're going to be talking about yeah today should we kick it off we might as well it was probably kind of a perfect segue yeah. so the main thing that we want to talk about today outside of cooking korean food is <laughs> <laughs> um how to Start to remove your ego from your training and from any fitness endeavors that you are um, going through. Or not even how to, but why removing your ego is going to be beneficial for you in the future and um, just in life in general. (laughs) Right. So I think for what we're kind of talking about is when you associate what you think is your current fitness level and with everything else that you do. So if you think I'm advanced, I've been working out for 10 years now, so I should be able to do X, Y, or Z, even if X, Y, or Z are FFTs or are (laughs) new things to you, you have this association as a fit person or this identity as a fit person. So then if you go into something new and you're not necessarily great at it right away, you can start to instantly go into some really negative spirals with things. You might end up pushing through something that may be uncomfortable because you think you should be able to do it so you end up maybe getting hurt or getting injured you might rush the process of something new because you're like I should be better at this and then that ends up stalling your progress in the end there's all these things that can happen from letting your ego take over any new sort of fitness endeavor that you're taking on yeah and I think it's like even if you've been working out for a couple years, there are, the, there are these thoughts that creep up into your mind that are like, oh, I should be able to do this. Yeah. Like, I've been working out for a couple of years. I should be able to do that. Like, I should be able to do a push-up on the floor. I should be able to do a unassisted bodyweight pull-up. And you get wrapped up in all these shoulds, and it really starts to affect the way that you approach movement and training overall, right? Yeah. Um, you know, one example that I have where my ego got wrapped up in my training, uh, and, I've ex- and I've talked about this previously, was the fact that I thought that being stronger meant that I was a better coach and personal trainer, right? And this was, um, this was I don't know, early on in my career, a lot of the more influential, in- influential uh, figures in the industry were strength and conditioning coaches who could lift an absolute like monstrous amount of weight with the squat mentioned deadlift. And I associated that with, okay, 
they're good coaches and they can lift a lot of weight, then that means that I also need to be really strong in these three lifts. Otherwise, then I won't be considered a good coach and I won't be considered worthy enough, basically. And so I would spend all my time trying to get better at these three lifts. And regardless of how I felt or if I was coming off a sickness or, you know, whatever, coming through a stressful time, I would just push and push and push. And I would always get injured because I was rushing so hard to try to get some arbitrary numbers up. And I would get injured. And then I would take a setback. I would lighten the weights, start the process over, get hurt. And basically, again, trying to rush the process, which ends up stalling progress, which is what you were talking about. Uh, Do you want to list a few more examples of what might happen? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things is just in general, it makes the process less enjoyable. Yeah. Like if you're constantly thinking about that you should be better at something or that you you should be able to do something, you're just not enjoying the process and you're not enjoying what you're doing. And so yeah. when you take your ego out of it and start to say, okay, this is new and I'm just going to try and see what happens and then you can actually enjoy what you're doing so much more. Yeah. Um, I think also sometimes it, like on the other hand, it just sometimes can keep you from even trying in the first place. Mm -hmm. I think we see that all the time. And that's something that I've dealt with for a long time myself. I'm a very, very competitive person and mostly competitive with myself. I grew up a competitive gymnast and gymnastics is an individual sport. And so you just become very competitive with yourself. And so I very frequently turned down opportunities to try new things because I was afraid I would be bad at it. And I really didn't like being bad at something, even if it was brand new. I just felt like it was embarrassing and I didn't want to attempt anything that I wasn't going to be good at right away. And it kept me from, it kept me from having new experiences. I mean, we saw this with snowboarding. (laughs) Jason and I went snowboarding in college and Jason's actually like the reverse of the ice skating experience for us is Jason's pretty good at snowboarding and he was trying to help me and I just kept falling and I got so frustrated. I took off my skate uh, off of, off my snowboard. I walked down the mountain and I sat in the, in the lodge the whole time because I was too embarrassed about being bad at it to even allow myself to get the opportunity to get better at it. Yeah. And that's such a sad reality. Yeah, totally. And I think we, we saw this kind of, at scale when we were um, personal trainers, right? Uh, Especially early on when we didn't really recognize kind of what was happening, but we would introduce these sort of newer movements or different sorts of movement patterns or new exercises to our clients. And sometimes we would feel like there was an immediate sense of um, just total frustration and which at as a new trainer, we're like, oh my God, they, they don't like us. They think that we're bad <laughs> trainers, you know, et cetera. But meanwhile, internally for them, they felt like they should be already really good at this movement that they have never even experienced before. Yeah. Or And so like there was this total disconnect there. And, you know, I think as, if, if you are going through your training and you find yourself getting really quickly frustrated or if you are um, – let's say, uh, making a bunch of excuses for why the movement isn't working as well as you should, instead of just saying, hey, I'm really new to this movement and this is just part of the process of getting better at it, then I think that you might have some ego wrapped up in with your self-worth with whatever you kind of view being fit is. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So I think that's kind of the intro that we wanted to start off this episode with. Yeah, just kind of laying out, because probably 
you've experienced at least one of those scenarios in yeah. your own life or in your own training is that you either tend to be somebody who pushes too too hard on a new movement because you think you should be good at it or you tend to be someone who shies away from trying new things because you're afraid of being bad at it or you're someone who rushes the process and ends up getting injured and stalling your progress so all of those different things are all related to letting your ego take over your training yeah definitely um and this whole podcast was brought about because um we first of all we needed a topic and i was just <laughs> flipping through our rise facebook group and as i was scrolling through i was talking to lauren and i said you know i think something happened within the last couple phases because and this is kind of all just like a coincidence this was part of our training program is the first training blocks i would say of a program we start off with higher reps and lighter loads and we try to basically explore lots of different movement patterns and different variations of exercises because that is where we want to just develop as wide a base as possible for our members so that they just become more fluent at movement in general right and if you're always practicing the same five or six exercises, you're never really increasing your movement catalog, basically. And so we think that that is the most important time to really just explore different movements. So um, we encourage them over the last couple of phases that, you know, if you currently are doing conventional deadlifts and you've been doing con con conventional deadlifts for quite a while, try out sumo deadlifts. If you've been high bar back squatting for a while, try out zerchers or low bar squatting. Um, if you've been doing... Um, Bench press for a while. Let's try an alternating dumbbell kettlebell press on the floor. Like just all sorts of different variations and different tempos and different uh, pauses that we've been incorporating to basically get them out of their comfort zone and really embrace the idea of learning and exploring and getting uncomfortable and but also enjoying the process of learning again. And so what I've been seeing over the last couple of months is that people are choosing exercises that are less comfortable for them, even though we're kind of out of that explorer phase and getting into more of the heavier lifts. And people are being more mindful with their lifts. They're using less weight um, than they typically would. And they're just being a lot more, just a lot more, there's this almost like there's a less sense of urgency about their training. Yeah, right? it feels like a little more lighthearted. Yeah. Almost. Like you can you can look at a movement and it's unfamiliar to you or you try it for the first time and it feels awkward and you can almost laugh about it or be lighthearted about it and yeah. ask, are other people feeling awkward with this? Instead of feeling embarrassed that you couldn't do it or yeah. feeling weird about the fact that it was new. Like just this lighthearted approach to exploring new movement. Yeah, totally. And there are a couple examples um that uh, of different moves where someone was like i don't know if anyone else is feeling this but this feels like totally awkward and weird to me and then you know there would be 10 more comments being like oh my god i felt the same way like it, this was super awkward for me like oh this helped like why don't you try that out and it just becomes such yeah just a lighthearted process and just much more enjoyable process instead of feeling like why can't I do this? Why does this feel awkward? I should be able to do this. I've been on this for a while. Like I should be able to do this. And then you get wrapped up into this whole negative self-talk thought spiral. And that's where it really starts to make things just a lot less enjoyable. When it should be 
a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Training should be fun. I mean, we, we train for a lot of different reasons, but one is just for the enjoyable nature of moving your body and feeling good and feeling strong. And those are things that sometimes get lost when you let your ego take over and start to focus on all of the things that you think you should be able to do. So, yeah. Yeah. And this is something that it's not like something that we've, uh, always had a handle on either no. <laughs> like um something that really has helped us quite a bit so we started off with you know your traditional bodybuilding type of workouts then we moved on into powerlifting as we got into our careers because we realized that a lot of strength and conditioning coaches did a lot of powerlifting and then we started to embrace this more learning exploring and beginner mindset when we got introduced to kettlebells right that was really our first like foray into something completely new and that really opened our eyes and really got us excited about training again i think yeah uh, kettlebells like snatches cleans like there's nothing like kettlebell training in the scheme of barbells and dumbbells i feel in, like like the strength and conditioning setting yeah yeah kettlebells are just so different from so unique so we were not good at it even though we've been uh strength coaches for i don't know four or five years at that point yeah. and uh we've been working out for probably 10 years at that point and we've been we were as fit, as fitness professionals so there was a lot of layers that we had to go through and but as we got into it we're like oh we have no idea what we're doing we need to hire a coach we need to learn these lifts better so we were doing skype sessions and we were looking at youtube videos and we we're just trying to do everything possible to get better and better and better and it was just a really exciting and invigorating time for us i think as coaches. Yeah, and I think it's because we were treating it as a new skill as opposed to something that we already were familiar with in terms of just fitness as this broad spectrum. So like if we were like, well, we're already strong and we're already coaches and we already know a lot of stuff about anatomy and physiology and we know all these things, so we should be able to just figure out kettlebells. Like yeah. we should be able to just watch a video and figure it out and do it. That would have made the process a lot less enjoyable because we wouldn't have been able to just figure it out. It was something yeah. that we needed to be coached on and it was a skill that we needed to acquire and anything else in life, like you take time to acquire a skill you don't just expect of yourself that you're going to immediately get it that you're going to be immediately good at it you know that there's a learning process that goes along with it but a lot of times if it's something that feels very close to something you're already good at and mm. you're already very proficient or a professional at then that's when I think it can get very difficult to separate out that you're learning something new from that this is just adjacent to what you already are good at and you should just be good at it. Too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. That, that, yeah. I think that makes uh, perfect sense. And, you know, I think um, going back to the powerlifting, just spending a ton of time trying to get better at those lifts. And it, it was getting to a point where it was really repetitive, going through the same motions. I knew I was probably going to get hurt in the next <laughs> couple of months and just repeating that same process over again. And I think once I did kettlebells, I realized that, oh, getting better at these three lifts wasn't my actual goal. That wasn't what I was actually passionate about or even wanted to do. And no wonder I was feeling more resentment or negative self-talk around the whole training process. Like, no wonder this was all going on. And yeah, it's just like... I don't really know what would have happened if we didn't actually end up discovering kettlebells. Yeah. Like if, if we would have just like burnt out as trainers <laughs> or as fitness enthusiasts. But it was um, it was it came at a really pivotal time, I think. Yeah. Um, and then we actually did kettlebell training for 
six, seven years, we eventually started teaching it at certifications uh, like around the world. And I think we started not using kettlebells anymore as yeah. well in our own <laughs> training. And then we um, kind of shifted to Olympic lifting. So I guess we would have found something yeah, to discover. Yeah, because I think that we, we started to eventually <clears throat> gravitate. We, we do like learning as much as like we both, I mean, you less than me have sometimes ego wrapped up in trying out new things. Like, I, I think we still like to learn something new and we like yeah. to be a beginner at things, um, especially if it's something that, yeah, that excites us or that makes us want to be better at. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, and then we discovered Olympic lifting and that kind of uh, sparked our um, interest for a long time as well. And, it, and it's still going because Olympic lifting, I, I kind of liken it to golf where it's like you can be great one day and other days you don't feel great. And it's a really humbling process. But as long as you are able to adopt this sort of beginner's mindset, basically, um, you're able to continuously tweak and get better and really be open to to change in feedback and coaching. Yeah, one of the things that I think really helped me learning Olympic lifting was when um, Danny Camargo, who is a very, very knowledgeable, experienced um, Olympic lifting coach, came to achieve, excuse me, oh, I got your frog, (laughs) (laughs) excuse me, Um, came to achieve and did a workshop uh, on Olympic lifts. And one of the things that he talked about was, you know, film yourself. He had, he actually filmed people and then put their videos up on a screen and had us kind of look at it and break it down and just figure out like what could have gone better. And that was a really helpful way to look at things instead of what went wrong, like what could have gone better and just always looking for how can I make this a little better? How could I improve a little bit more as opposed to what went wrong with that? What was not good about that? And that always stuck with me is just like looking for the opportunities for growth as opposed to thinking about why it didn't go well or what was wrong with that lift, which is a very slight mindset shift that really makes a big difference. I think going along with that point, I think you can also get trapped with, if you have your ego wrapped up in the exercise, you can kind of go into a pass-fail mindset. Mm. I wasn't able to do this. I'm not good at this. I failed at it, basically. Instead of being like, you know, these are some of the parts that I could optimize and make myself better at it. Um, There's just a lot more nuance and intricacy that you can kind of delve into by saying, oh, if I just get my feet a little bit wider and get my knees out a little bit wider, that'll make the lift a lot better. Instead of saying, that wasn't good. Yeah. That wasn't a good rep. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, oh, you want to talk about our dance lessons? <laughs> we were just kind of brainstorming before recording this on just some things that we've done in the past that have been completely new. Mm-hmm. Um, so sushi making was one of them. But yeah. more more in the like fitness movement realm was we took dance lessons for our wedding. Um, and we wanted to dance to Beyonce's Love on Top <laughs> and do like an actual routine. So we hired a dance dance coach um, and he, he like when we introduced ourselves, of course, everybody asks you, what do you do? So we were like, oh, we're we own a gym. We're strength coaches. And so he, you saw his eyes like light up. He was like, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to be able to get them to do all these cool things. And then, you know, neither of us have any dance experience whatsoever. And so we got started with a couple moves. And, like, the music was fast, and he was just going, going, going. And Jason and I were completely tripping over ourselves. And you saw him be like, all right, we got to take this back a step. And, like, this isn't going to be as uh, fast of a process as we maybe originally thought. And because I think for us this was so new and we were doing it together and we were allowing ourselves to just be goofy and have fun with it, we never got 
upset or discouraged or anything yeah. like that. But if we had gone in being like, we want to nail this routine and we need to impress other people and <laughs> all this stuff, like we were just like, this is going to be so silly. This is going to be so fun. Like we're going to learn something new. And, and we did. And it was a great time and it ended up being great. We, we thought we nailed it and then we went back and looked at the video afterwards and we were like that was not that good (laughs) (laughs) but it's still okay because we just learned something new and we were able to have fun with it the whole time yeah and i think ultimately ultimately it was like you know if we do this like no one's expecting any grand (laughs) dancing performance (laughs) from us at the wedding they we just thought it was going to be a cute little thing to to bust out um and i think that also really helped with our sort of um being able to take a much more laxed approach as well. And I think, you know, when people are at the gym, I think everyone thinks that everyone else in the gym is just looking at them yeah. and their performance and what they're doing, how much weight they're lifting and all that. And for 99% of people, that's just not going to be true, right? Yeah. Like people, everyone else is also thinking, this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everyone else is also thinking that everyone is looking at them and everyone's, this is why the gym can be such a uncomfortable place. And that's, uh, you know, part of the reason why we wanted to open up our gym, Achieve Fitness, because we wanted to just create a safe space. And we've been wanting to do that online through our social media. And we've been wanting to do that through Rise as well. And it's been really cool to see, um, especially in the Facebook group, just people opening up and just having a lot more fun and being a lot more lighthearted about Taking fitness. Taking themselves a lot less seriously, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah, and then I think we wanted to kind of segue into a little bit of how this mindset just allows you to just try more things, right? I think that when you get your ego wrapped up into fitness or your workouts, you can start to shy away from or just not do things that you know aren't really in your wheelhouse, right? And so, um, you know, I have an example of um, just races. I mean, throughout the years, owning our gym, we've done all sorts of different races and um, stuff like that with our members. So we've done triathlons, we've done um, 5Ks, 10Ks, half marathons. Spartan um, races. Yeah, Spartan races. We've done all sorts of stuff. Running is definitely not in my wheelhouse. Like I'm definitely more of a sprinter, sprint five to 10 seconds playing football and then rest for like 60 seconds and relax. (laughs) I take my time during my workout. So Running especially is not in my wheelhouse, but I really push myself to do it. I push myself to, um, you know, be part of a sprint triathlon relays with our members, and I've pushed myself to do 5Ks and doing Spartan races and whatnot. And there was this one particular Spartan race that we did. This was at Fenway Park, and I actually had been training for running this and I actually PR'd my 5k in the sprint triathlon I don't know if you remember that yeah but I was like really I was like I want to try to get a little bit better at running because I also knew that it would help my lifting in return so I took the opportunity to really start running at that point and I got pretty good at it and I was feeling really good during the Spartan race and now side note is that I actually have asthma and I have an inhaler with me basically at all times especially when physical exercise is in any form kind of going to be involved right and so that day i had to basically make a decision do i carry my inhaler in my pocket during this obstacle course training race like that seems like it's going to fall out or i'm constantly constantly going to be looking in my pocket for it and making sure that it's there um and all these sorts of things and i was like you know what let me take a couple of quick puffs before the race began and let me just stow it away 
And with Spartan races, especially at Fenway Park, you stow it away and it's it's locked Gone. up af- until after the races is is um is over. And so I, I made that conscious decision. I was really thinking about it and really kind of figuring out the pros and cons. But I finally was like, you know, I've been training for a while. I should be able to do this without the inhaler. And as soon as it went, I just like I basically just took off. And I was feeling incredible for the first first mile really. I was I was flying. And I was just feeling like I was just having a ton of fun. And then at that mile mark, I I started feeling my like asthma kick in. And at that point, I was like, oh, no. And I started kind of internally freaking out. And at that point, I think that intensified the asthma even more. And there was one particular exercise that really kind of did me in. And it was holding two heavy jugs of water and going up. I don't know. It was like, I don't know, six flights of of stairs. And something about that movement really weighs I mean, obviously weighs you down, but also kind of like compresses your lungs a bit. So I was having a really difficult time trying to get air in at that point. But I was forcing myself to get up there because I was like, once I get past this, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. And then basically halfway through, I pretty much had a full-on asthma attack. And I was like doubled over on the floor, heaving, like barely able to get any sort of air in. And this was like... Yeah, this was, this was certainly, like, my worst nightmare in terms of, like, having an asthma attack in the first mile of a race. Yeah. Um, and later I realized that during the winter, the colder months, that's when um, my asthma starts to kick in at sort of, like, abnormal – in sort of abnormal ways. Um, but I didn't really think about it at the time. And it was in, like, December, I think. It was in December, yeah. yeah. But, you know, at this point um, – our members that I work with and train, they're they're flying by me, uh, and I like I've been working out for years. I'm a personal trainer for years, and like you can really think about that as like a moment where that you, basically that should have been a moment where I would never approach a race again. I would never do a Spartan race again. But because I don't have my ego wrapped up in my training, it was fine. So it's just kind of like. I actually, Lauren had a kind of a an interesting moment there where she was like, "Do I stay and help Jason out, or or do I keep running and finish the race, knowing that he'll probably be okay?" And I think you came over to me, and I just I was like, "Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go see the uh, the the medic or the doctor or whatever, and, yeah. and kind of uh, encourage you to go." So I basically lied to you. I was yeah, like, "I'm definitely like, gonna go see the doctor." I was like, "Are you sure? Like, I can go back and get your inhaler. Like, I'll go figure something out. Like, because yeah. I go into protector mode very quickly, even though I'm also very competitive. So this was a very hard uh, decision for, yeah. <laughs> for me. But I mean, I saw you were you were not like passed out. You were alive, but you yeah. definitely looked like you were struggling. Yeah, and I was. Yeah, yeah. You, I feel like you like faked it enough to just be like, no, 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 I'm fine. There's a medic right coming up, or you, I think you said like, there's someone coming. Or yeah, something. yeah. And I was yeah. like, okay, and so I left. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was not gonna deprive you of this Fenway Park like Spartan race as I was as I was going through because I knew it was going to be okay as well and then I actually ended up walking through the rest of the race instead of tapping out as well so you know all this to say had that happen early on in my career when I had lots of doubts of myself as a personal trainer and I had doubts of myself as um, you know a strong uh, fit person I think if that had happened about 10 years earlier I probably would have never ran again, and I probably would have really taken a significant hit to my ego. Yeah. But because I was able to kind of distance myself from that, knowing that this is completely out of my wheelhouse, this is something I don't train for on a regular basis, and this has nothing nothing to do with my self-worth, you know, 
I'm I'm looking forward to the next Spartan race that we that we do in the future. So, you know, that was a long-winded story, but just to just to show you that we go through it as well and to give you kind of a real-world example of how this can all sort of play out in the grand scheme of things when you're not really thinking or aware of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the 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 takeaway here, the thing to move forward with is not just like anything else, like all of a sudden you're not going to listen to this podcast and be like, okay, no more ego in my training. Totally fine. I'll never (laughs) think about my own ego again. Like it's more about recognizing it. So now hopefully having more tools to recognize when you're in that moment, recognize when your ego is taking over and ask yourself, is this my ego? Is there, is there an opportunity here to be, to use more of a beginner's mindset or more of an explorer's mindset? And might that opportunity make me feel better moving forward and just yeah. allowing yourself to pause and ask yourself those questions when you feel yourself getting into mm. that moment of your ego starting to take over yeah definitely and you know over over time as you continue to coach yourself and strive to be more and more self-aware what you'll find is that you'll just feel a lot less pressure a lot less burden on yourself to maintain this sort of a whole perception basically and you'll feel just like in our facebook group just a lot let a lot more lighthearted you'll feel a lot more empowered and fulfilled because you don't have these sorts of negative things kind of weighing you down anymore it's more just you know i'm just learning every single day i'm learning there's no good or bad or pass or fail like this is just all part of the long process of continuous self-improvement and it just happens to be in a physical sense yeah, I think that's about it that's for today. It. Yeah, so hopefully you found that helpful. And if you like this podcast, you've been enjoying it, you've been listening, but you have been just kind of passively listening and not really thinking about writing a review, <laughs> that would be an awesome time to do that. <laughs> our, our egos are wrapped up in our podcast reviews. Yeah, so. we check every day. No, we actually don't. We actually don't. But it would be awesome if you wouldn't mind leaving us a quick review or at least five stars. I mean, that's so quick and easy. Yeah, super easy. But a little review to say what you're it also helps kind of for us to figure out where to go with future shows and all that. So any any sort of feedback helps. Definitely, yeah. And if you ever have any ideas or thoughts, you can always DM us at Boston on Instagram because that's where we hang out the most. Yeah, yeah. So until next time. Sweat out. Happy to sleep. Woo. <laughs>